a video nasty. I wouldn't. I have far too much. How, how can you judge on a video nasty? Oh, have you never seen one? I actually don't need to see visually what I know is in that film. Hello there and welcome to the Video Nasties podcast. My name's Christopher Brown. So some of Lucio Fulci's best work made it into the Video Nasties list. In total, three movies are there. Uh, Zombie Flash Eaters, House by the Cemetery, and this movie, the notorious surrealist zombie film, The Beyond. It's an unusual kind of cult classic of a film with uh, dream sequence ideas, nightmare logic, extreme gore, some really horrible kind of grew. It's a tough watch for some and a strange watch for others, but generally a rewarding film for those that want to give it a chance. And as I'm already well aware, one of the films on the nasties list that's well-loved by many who listen to this podcast. Already I've had my eye wiped by people pointing out that I'm probably just a bit wrong for saying it isn't one of my favourites on the list. To be honest with you, it isn't one of my favourite Fulci films here. That's House by Cemetery. But there's something deeply disturbed and actually quite upsetting about The Beyond. And with its continuing and quite almost kaleidoscopic gore effects... It's certainly one of the most striking films on the list. You are Liza, aren't you? Yes. My name is Emily. I've been looking for you. from and hurry leave this place sixty years ago everybody in this hotel disappeared every last person called Spike, who lived here, closeted in his room, had found a key. Tell me, with all those accidents, you think you'll um, give it up now? I couldn't do that if I wanted to. Well, I won't give in. is here. 
There's nobody here. I can feel a presence. Somebody else is in here. Oh, some weird story that Emily told me about room 36. Emily? Who's Emily? The blind girl that lives in the old house by the crossroads. seven gateways to hell, because through that gateway, evil will invade the world. The Beyond, known in Italian as La Dilda, uh, also released as The Seven Doors of Death in the US. It's a 1981 Italian horror film directed by Fulci. It's the second film from his unofficial Gates of Hell trilogy, which started with City of the Living Dead and ends with House by the Cemetery. The Bond's gained a bit of a cult following over the decades, in part because of its really heavily graphic uh, gore sequences, and you know, not not just zombies, but but melt faces melting through acid and stuff like that, which obviously led to um, even its cut version entering the video nasties list in the eighties, and also in nineteen eighty three, a very heavily censored version being released in the US. The story starts in 1927, Louisiana, with the Seven Doors Hotel. In a, this like sepia tint, there's a, a lengthy murder scene as a lynch crucifies and pours quicklime over an artist, whom they believe to be a, a wizard or a world warlock. Um, that murder opens one of the Seven Doors of Death, which exists throughout the world and allows death to, to cross into the world of the living. We now travel to the 90, early 1980s and a New York woman inherits the hotel and plans to reopen it. The, re- re- the renovation work activates this hellhole and soon the entire area uh, here and the local doctor find themselves uh, to deal with the living dead and the entire area starts to become a, a swamp with zombies. The ghost of a blind woman seeks to get them to leave the hotel and a book called The Book of Albion, which supports to contain the answers to the, to the nightmare, is uh, found. There are flesh-eating tarantulas. Uh, a young girl who's, who made his parents become zombie, and and becomes, herself becomes possessed by undead spirits. Sherrick himself reappears, able somehow to control the, the, uh, the zombies at will. At the end... We uh, we are caught we are caught with a striking image as um, the worlds between here and um, the oblivion of the beyond become merged. Who's there? 
answer me. I know you're there. So following the release of City of Living Dead, Fulshi wanted to continue this kind of slightly unusual exploration of like more metaphysical concepts. Um, the plan was that, you know, the idea of the way about the, the worlds of the living and the dead could bleed together. He also wanted to uh, make a film that would pay homage as well to uh, the French playwright Antonin Autart. Now, Autard um, created the concept of the theatre of cruelty and believed that the theatre should represent reality and therefore affect the audience as much as possible. So there was um, strange uses of lighting, sounds and other performance elements. Lars based in his book, The Theatre and Its Double, which takes the first idea of this kind of manifesto to kind of use the theatre to unsettle its audience. Um, Fulci's original outline for the Beyond was for like this haunted house story that's a, in a non-linear fashion, with uh, the only real solid plot element being one of a woman moving into a hotel built on one of the seven gates of hell. Another such gate is actually depicted in City of the Living Dead. The original story focused on the dead leaving hell and entering the hotel with little outside of the ensuring carnage to link the scenes together. However, the German distribution company that owned the release rights for Fulci's films at the time were not interested in a haunted house movie. Zombie films were where it's at and were still popular at the time, certainly in Europe. And Fulci's name had really been made with uh, films like Zombie Flesh Eaters and City of the Living Dead, which, although not really that much of a zombie film has a ve- much like the beyond it kind of is although it isn't it there are strong zombie links despite the fact that 
you know, they they they're not. It doesn't follow like the particular rules set up by the Romero movies. So Fulci agreed basically to get the money that he'd kind of rewrite the film and add this uh, that the the hotel the hotel the hospital zombie shootout at the end, which is feels far more like it should have been there uh, in. Um, well, zombie flesh eaters in truth rather than, than, than this film. Fact, you know, and despite the fact that it's kind of a, an unusual bastardization of, of ideas, it, it certainly plays well and is very popular. So, film took place in and around uh, New Orleans. And obviously, some of the studio work was completed in Rome, where he did a lot of his filming anyway. It was. Originally, that he'd wanted uh, Tisa Farrow, who had appeared in '79 Zombie, but uh, Farrow had actually left the acting profession by that stage. Um, interestingly enough, as well, that final scene that we spoke about—that notorious scene where uh, you know of the of the beyond of that area of oblivion, which contains sand-covered bodies lying on the ground—they were actually um, apparently tramps, or street, you know. People, people of homeless, effectively, who had uh, been paid in alcohol to kind of just lie there and get covered in sand. Um, as I say, the film had never actually got a, a release in the US on court. I mean, we, un, until uh, Tarantino got involved and released in 1998. Um, I think that's quite interesting in itself because obviously, normally, you know, we, we in the UK anyway, we used to kind of see the, the states as you know at least being able to show this stuff on cut. I know your certification system's a bit weird, but but in this case, certainly not. Um, that book of Albion as well um, is actually um, you know an idea created by Clark Ashton Smith, and um, pops up repeatedly in the Cthulhu mythos. Uh, book deals with you know arcane subjects, including resurrection of the dead, demonic magic, parallel dimensions, that kind of thing, and um, it's so you know when we when we talk about the beyond as such, uh, though it can, it kind of it isn't Cthulhu mythos, but it darts around similar ideas, and I think that book is a is a nice link to that kind of stuff. Obviously, that Lovecraftian world. Um, and interestingly enough as well, uh, Fulci actually gave himself a couple of uh, a cameo as well. Um, he's the librarian who goes out to lunch right before that architect is attacked by the spiders. Interestingly enough about that spider scene, and on a personal note, I remember being absolutely freaked out by it um, when I first watched this film. And now, I mean, it's the spiders thing, I suppose, but now those spiders look really fake apart from the ones that are obviously moving towards them but even then there's like you know something moving towards them and then there's the, the fake ones in the background to kind of give it the fact that there's loads coming towards them uh yeah i, I watched it again like yesterday to kind of just just to get myself up to speed while i was doing my notes and um yeah it's it's really surprisingly not very good um you could probably probably get hate for that now as well uh, Fulci um, was born in 1927, died in 1996. An interesting link as well, obviously, with his uh, with this film. Uh, you know, the the murder in the hotel, the, the the first murder at the start was is was the same year of, of Fulci's birth. Um, 
obviously, you know, he is best known for for this um, Gates of Hell trilogy. He was actually born in Rome, uh, studied medicine, uh, and but before actually becoming as a bit of an art critic, he first started, you know, adopting film as a screenwriter and then as a director. He used to work in comedy in the early to mid sixties and actually directed around eighteen Italian comedies. Many starred the uh, the comedy team Franco and Sico, which is a uh, you know, very famous over there. But as, as with a lot, of this kind of this kind of comedy just doesn't translate over. You know, it was the early sixties, late sixties, just to say, sixty nine. Then he moved over to thrillers, uh, Elizabeth in a Woman's Skin, and The Psychic. Then he started doing real genre stuff: uh, spaghetti westerns, Massacre Time, that kind of thing. Uh, Four of the Apocalypse. Um. And in actual fact, the effects he did were so good that uh, that, he, that he directed that uh, he got into trouble early on. Some of the special effects in Lizard involved mutilated dogs in a vivisection room, and she was dragged to court in charge of animal cruelty until he actually had to pop up and, and show the, the canine puppets and um, and you know bring in Carlo Rambaldi to sh- to the judge to explain that these weren't real animals and you know you can actually do these things with, with, with special effects uh, Don't Torture a Duckling was the film that really started giving him it, 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 a case of being quite notorious though I think it's fair to say Um it was um, his first step into talking about social commentary and also graphic violence Um Fulci, like a lot of Catholic people who are raised Catholic, can, can uh, is certainly more than capable of criticizing their own faith. And um, don't torture Duckling is actually quite, uh, you know, has a well. The stories about a priest is depicted like a child killer. So they give you some idea exactly where his head was. With a lot of that stuff. Uh, zombie Two, known in this in the UK, as Zombie Flesh Eaters, or Zombie. Is uh, was the thing that mainly marked a mouse in the US and the UK, and then he kind of started making, and then he had his like his purple patch, of which the Beyond is is one of them. City of the Living Dead, the Beyond, House by the Cemetery, the Black Cat, the New York Ripper, and uh, Manhattan Baby as well, which are all kind of uh, very very bloody movies, but also uh, a, a very certain. You know, an unusual way of making films in sense the fact that you know a, a look with dreamlike logic and and almost quite a lot of soft focus as well. Used to um, the screenwriter Sacchetti was uh, full. She's kind of a screenwriter muse during this period, and um, after full, she went off to do um, Conquest, which is like a swords and sandals movie, really in Mexico. His relationship with Sakechi soured and it never really got back. And it kind of marked Fulci's kind of uh, decline, really, as a director. He suffered from emotional and ill health problems after family difficulties. And um, and I'm capable of this as well to suggest that, though Fulci says he's a man that respects women, there is an awful lot of violence towards women in his movies. And uh, the New York Ripper has been used as a stick to beat him with quite a lot. Um, is are his films any more misogynistic than, say, Hitchcock? I don't know. I mean, they're certainly more extreme in their violence, and I think when you start having naked women and blades going towards nipples, I think you you're doing something very particular, and you're pressing very certain buttons, and um, that's 
that's something that you know I think we've all got to be aware of when you know talking about his life and his films. Um, but you know, before she died alone in his sleeping room in on the thirteenth of March, nineteen ninety six, from his uh, diabetes, which caused him no end of trough control uh, and problems, uh, making it very difficult for him to walk at points as well. Um, he was, you know, he was in a bad way and he'd lost a lot of money. Um, you know, you imagine film directors made all these films to have done well in their lives, but, um, full shoot, he was by the end, you know, in, in, not, in a, not in a good place, I think it's fair to say, which is a real shame. <laughs> I think it's possibly best to say that Fulci is popular with genre fans rather than the mainstream. He's no um, Argento or, well, to a point, Romero, early Romero stuff that they kind of, or, you know, even John Carpenter that kind of now have the respect of the, um, I'd say the establishment, but you know what I mean, the, uh, you know, the, the, the film criticism community. It tends to be more, more uh, fans of genre. That, uh, that that celebrates his life, um, which is a shame, really, because there is a lot to recommend as films, uh, particularly the Gates of Hell trilogy, which um, you know are very much um, very very powerful pieces, very well directed, and you know, despite you know my reservations about the Beyond, um, still great. I suppose I should actually explain why I'm like a bit down on it. I just find it really emotionally cold. And I don't find that with House by the Cemetery, mainly because I like the family dynamic and I like the family. And uh, so that, well, as they get pulled into hell, I think the um, that kind of relationship, you, you're far more emotionally attached to the family. And, and, and you know, and people hate that kid in the House by the Cemetery. And we'll talk about that a lot later on when we reach that film. But I think that that has a lot more power for me. Whereas the Beyond is just so much um, unusual imagery and you know nightmare logic, like popping up. You know, go you know near the end, they get them back into the ho- You know, he dumps them back into the the hotel basements just just because he can, because he has to to get the film to get the film closed. So, well, it's just a nightmare then, isn't it? And that kind of stuff does great with me a little bit. But on the other hand, the gore effects, and I mean, it's it's it, you know the thing about full she is it's it's horrible. It's really grisly and gory and gruey, but it's also quite beautiful to look at. And I mean, that's a real skill. That really is. So that's kind of where when I was saying, and because 
you know, there's this feedback where people are like, I can't believe you heard this. Um, and like, you know, I know, I know people that this is one of the best films, uh, their favorite films. Um, I feel like I've got to kind of explain myself, but you know, um, Tom, who uh, does, who I used to work with on the Twilight Zone network and now does, um, he does that and he used to do a gentleman's grinds house uh, podcast which is a fantastic podcast if you get a chance uh, it's up over on geek planet online he um you know the music that they used for that show was part of the soundtrack to this to give you some idea you know how much respect he had for that film and um you know um if you want to learn a bit more as well uh, about the kind of gate of hell trilogy and the zombie stuff um, if you want to hear a different viewpoint from it, Jim Moon from Hypnobob's podcast uh, over at uh, Geek Planet Online again, which is uh, you know, or on hypnogoria.com, he'll be able to. Uh, he's got some podcasts there which very much cover, you know, full she's kind of periods, and uh, he's got a lot of love for this kind of stuff as well. He's, he's he, and his his writing is fantastic. So that ending, that ending, I always kind of thought. I mean, I was looking at the. Um, this the Wikipedia page actually, but um, I was you know, I was thought that was kind of a a, a, a close a, a very sad close and ending to the beyond. But according to Fulci, apparently it's not happy, but you know at the same time it's not unhappy. Um, the the other realm is kind of a refuge outside of everything. Um, you know, and it, like the the they find sanctuary. And it's it's a sanctuary in oblivion, but sanctuary nonetheless. Um. So yeah, so it didn't really see a US release until eighty three through the Aquarius release, and this is in the US. Uh, brief theatrical run, run under the title Seven Doors of Death, uh, heavily edited, new musical score. It's a bit of a fucking mess, to be fair. Uh, that video. Um, um, so yeah, um, it's Grindhouse releasing with Tarantino did like a midnight movie run of it and uh, finally gave gave it a proper a proper release over in the UK. The uh, film uh, was released in cinema in eighty one with a minute thirty nine cuts to exactly the scenes that you would imagine those cuts would be. Definitely at the start of the film, uh, melting bodies, uh, and also that tarantula death. Uh, Van Pix released a cut cinema version on video in '82. This was banned as a nasty in November '83, but was later dropped from the list in April '85. Now, the reason for that is that um, you know a lot of the films that got on the list because you know the panic and notoriety, and, and you know the, this idea that they must be. You know, illegal. It's only when the you know it gets cross-dressed with the BBFC that suddenly it get, it gets dropped from the list because there's nothing wrong with it. It was actually only finally passed cut in 2002 for the uh, Vipco DVD release, which is not a pretty release to be fair. Um, that's the one I've got. Unfortunately, it's uh, not. It's it's a bad print and it's um, non-anthropomorphic and all those kind of things that really annoy you when you've got a DVD of a classic film. Um, there's a very nice Arrow release on Blu-ray um, that is 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 lovely, uh, and also there's like um, like a cheap kind of budget DVD version as well uh, called on the Arrow Drone label. But um, all those all that stuff is you know it's uncut, 
and it's 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 well looked after. It's a good release, a very very strong release. Um, I suppose as well we need to mention. And we talked about you know obviously the the, the music. I briefly mentioned that with um, the pod, the Gentleman's Grindhouse podcast, which you you, know, you should listen to definitely. Um, Fabio Frizi, Italian musician, worked on City of the Living Dead, Zombie Two. And uh, this, um, the soundtrack to this film is pretty seminal. Um, there was a lovely Mando release of the Only Limited to fifteen hundred copies of the soundtrack, and that's—I mean—that is a lovely, lovely bit of vinyl. That. So, if you're interested, you should definitely, uh, you should definitely try. Well, if you've got the money, you should track it down. It's expensive now, but uh, that soundtrack—I'm sure you'd be able to get it elsewhere. It is a fantastic, fantastic soundtrack. Uh, definitely worth listening to. Just a little bit of feedback. Um, Rob Wilson, uh, who is fantastically always brings uh, a load of a load of stuff to us, says, "I just rewatched the Beyond. I watched this DVD when Grindhouse put it out. I thought it was always just okay. My rewatch was more enjoyable. Perhaps I knew better not to get fussy about plot holes. I just sat back and let the gloopy gore wash over me. Still like Zombie Two and House by the Cemetery better, but I'll probably come back to this one again." My very first watching of this was a real crap pan and scan VHS, I believe, just titled Seven Doors, which is the release we spoke about before. Heavy alerted, colour washed out, it was a Spanish dub with English subtitles. 
bought in the back mid 80s at an outdoor flea market for I believe a book. I had no clue it was really the beyond. I remember the spider scene was five minutes longer because it kept showing the spiders walking towards the victim. That version did not show the face being ripped to shreds. I'm so thankful that finding good versions of movies is pretty easy these days. That's very true. Keep up the great work. Look forward to hearing what you thought about the film. Rob. P.S. You might want to hear this. Great to know I like a song by Europe. bit of 80s hair hair metal there is uh, Europe's Seven Doors Hotel which was written by Joey Tempest and was actually the first single released from the uh, Swedish heavy metal band's uh, self-titled debut album and it is so inspired by the Italian horror film The Beyond um, basically the lyrics being the plot of the film um, big hit in Japan that's all I'll say about that a big hit in Japan and uh well, it's a lot of fun, isn't it? A lot of fun. This is um, this message is from uh, Neil from Brighton. That's at Tid seventy one on Twitter. That's T I D S seventy one, and he says, "Ahoy, hoy, Chris." I've been meaning to drop you a line for what feels like forever. So, in the spirit of putting our house hotel in order, a quick catch up on the last few weeks, the burn. Don't tell that pushy Voorhees kid down the road, but the burning is my favourite old school slasher, narrowly beating out Friday the 13th Part 2, but beating it nonetheless. Great effects, a summer camp with actual kids at it, said kids that aren't instantly hateful, amazing over-the-top effects, and most of all, for me at least, genuine scares. Cannibal Apocalypse. Well, seems to be a distinct lack of love for this one, which is fair enough as it could easily come across as the red-headed stepchild of A Dawn of the Dead and Fulci Zombie 2, or even more, Whisper It, Zombie 3. But I like it, it's fun, with inventive gore, and even if Saxon sleepwalks through it, does it matter when you have the most entertaining and never-knownly underplayed Giovanni Lombardi Radice? I would say Radice, so you know. Yes, my mispronunciation of uh, European names is, uh, is, is to be known. Uh, the Beyond. This one got me putting electronic ink to non-existent paper. Not your favourite. Fane's getting the vapours. Swoon slightly. Need, need James Moon's dulcet tones to bring him down. Okay, each to their own. So here we go. I love Fulci Splatter films. There's something about them. A certain charm, if you will. They're so so clearly from the uh, school of Italian cash in cinemas. But 
ooze a style all their own, and never is this style more abundantly evident than in the beyond. The whole film has a beautifully realised dreamlike quality, with the shots of a decaying New Orleans nearly adding to it an otherworldly feel, and the sepia-toned opening scene is quite stunning on every level. The two leads, the beautiful Katriana McCall and David Warbeck, have some real chemistry. Check out their DVD commentary track to see how genuine it really was. The effects are, on a whole, excellent. Yeah, yeah, the spider attack is a little shonky, but the death of the young Jill is amazing, and the final scene is a visual effects tour de force. Anywho, I could go and have go on and on about the beyond, but I will wrap it up with this final thought. There are films on the videos last exist that probably aren't to be classified as such. Others that would have disappeared into deserved obscurity without such dubious credit, some of that would be genuinely regarded as genre classics nevertheless. To my mind, top of that list is The Beyond, a true classic. Nasty by classification, but not execution. Cheers, Neil from Brighton, at Tid71 on the Twitter. Thank you, Neil. And thank you for helping me <laughs> pronounce that man's name. I will make sure that I get it right for uh, how, uh, House by the Edge of the Park, if nothing else. It's in the fact that I've now mangled the poor bastard's name for two podcasts. Um, so yeah, so thanks very much for that. If you want to get in touch with me, please do. You can do on, uh, my Twitter, which is at orange underscore monkey, or you can email very much like Neil did there, which is, uh, video nasties podcast at gmail.com, or you can leave a message on the webpage, which is video nasties podcast.com. So thanks very much for that. I hope you, hope you enjoyed that episode. Um, I think there's a good, good one because there's lots to say and uh, lots of strong opinion as well. I was uh, in the pub on Monday night with a guy called Jeff who w- uh, works on 365 Horror uh, amongst various projects. A lovely chap, and uh, we're chatting about all the things he's doing, all the, all the work he's got on the go at the moment. And he's he's a he's a really polite bloke, and he's kind of ba- and we were chatting over a bevy, and he's basically saying you're wrong about the beyond while being nice enough to kind of like well you know for me personally it's a great film but he was just you know you're just like oh mate oh god fucking hell um so yeah but obviously hello to jeff as well you can follow him at uh well on a few things really but but his uh, website is uh 365horror.co.uk or you can follow him on uh twitter at at lucas1138 or at 365horror. So, next week we have got a classic, um, Bloodbath, which probably none of you, well, some of you who know the Nasties will, will, will know it by that name, but really, um, if, if you're not familiar, you'll know it from one of its many titles, but it's Mario Barber's A Bay of Blood, uh, one of the prototype slashes from the early 70s, and a, a crazy little film, I think it's fair to say. So, until then... Take care, and I'll speak to you soon. Goodbye. I have never seen a video nasty. I wouldn't. I have far too much. How, how can you judge on a video nasty? Oh, You've never seen one. I actually don't need to see visually what I know is in that film. <laughs>